Hello and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valian Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, we are currently watching the snowfall, or actually the sun's coming out here, but I think our guest is also, says she's curled up with blankets and hot tea today too, because the snow's out. So I think, I think winter is officially here, and um, Christmas is among us, which I'm, I'm kind of excited for, and finally turning on some Christmas music and getting into the Christmas spirit. What about you, Catherine? Yeah, definitely. We finally have our tree up, we've got the rest of our Christmas decorations up, and um just given the year that 2020 has been, I've been listening to Christmas music since before Thanksgiving, which is totally against everything that I stand for, but um, I, I needed it this year. So I've had, I've had Christmas carols on repeat for about a month now. <laughs> well, I love it. Do you want to go ahead and kind of introduce our um, topic this week and our guest? Yes. So um, about a year ago, the nation's largest dairy foods processor, Dean's, Dean Foods, um, declared bankruptcy. And, you know, that shook the dairy world a little bit because they are the biggest one out there. And um, a lot of people depend on them for their paycheck. Um, And there's been, you know, issues here and there ever since then going ongoing with Dean's and, and, um, you know, getting vendors paid and that sort of stuff. But um, they really stepped in it about a week and a half ago, I think, um, when they decided that they were going to demand payment from the farmers who supplied them with milk um, as part of their bankruptcy settlement. And so this week, we're excited to have um, a, a dairy woman with us. Her name is Jessica Peters, and she dairies with her family in Pennsylvania. And unfortunately, she has personal experience with this, but she's here to help us um, sort of wade through what this quagmire is. So Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're excited. So give us some, give us some background on, on this whole issue. What, what exactly is going on? Um, well, I've learned a lot in the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, when I first got the letter, you know, I was pretty, at first really confused. You know, legalese is really hard to understand if you're not a paralegal or, you know, have a law degree, which <laughs> I don't think many farmers do. Um, there, there's like, you know, in one sentence, there'll be seven for thes or where, where, whereas or here tos. Um, so it took me 15 minutes of reading it just to really understand what was happening. Um, and basically, the gist of it is, when a corporation like that files for bankruptcy, there's a clause called the clawback clause um, in bankruptcy law that states up to 90 days before they filed. So, you know, it was November 2019, for th- three months before they filed, they can go back to some of their creditors and ask for money they were paid by that company back. So, you know, the best way I could understand it is if, if Dean's was doing business with two big companies, they had two creditors um, and one of them um, found out that Dean's was going to be filing for bankruptcy soon. So they decided to make sure they got paid in full, you know, because which would mean they had gotten preferential treatment. Um, but the other one had no idea. So they got maybe 10% of what they were due, assuming that they'd get paid in full eventually. Well, then when Dean's filed for bankruptcy, the company that got paid in full was fine. Well, the other company wasn't. So what the clawback clause is meant to do, it's to protect the creditors and that they could ask for some money back from that company that was paid hundred percent so that they could distribute it more evenly amongst all of their creditors. The problem is um, they sent this letter out. The law firm that they used was out of Minnesota. They sent this letter out to 
all of Dean's creditors, which included all the dairy farmers they did business with, all of the processing plants and co-ops that Dean's did business with. And um, it doesn't apply to us because we had an ongoing business relationship with Dean's, you know, and it, and in, you know, in hindsight, looking back, it's not a huge deal because as long as you can uh, provide proof, which most dairy farmers could, if not all, that you have done consistent business with them over the 15 to 18 months prior to the bankruptcy, um, you know, that is one of the defenses against the clause that, you know, it was part of the ordinary course of business. Um, it was just pretty frustrating and made a lot of people angry that, I mean, it really felt like they were bullying or trying to scare us into basically paying their debts. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's not, Dean's was not a co-op. It was a company. You know, we did not have a say in how that company was run. Um, they, you know, when they filed for bankruptcy, I didn't, I found out on Facebook, first of all, in the letter they sent out to the, the farmers, we got three days after the fact, um, which is, you know, not a great working relationship with your <laughs> processing plant. Um, but, you know, for the last, the, like seven of the last eight quarters they were in business, they had posted a loss, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you were paying even a little bit of attention, their bankruptcy wasn't that big of a surprise. It was a little annoying that we didn't know sooner considering we did consistent business with them for 10 years at least. But um, I wasn't surprised to hear it had happened, you know, but that had nothing to do with us. You know, we had nothing to do with the management. They poorly managed their company and suffered the consequences. And then an entire year later when you thought it was done and, you know, Dean's was done screwing us to state it nicely, you get this letter and it was just so incredibly frustrating. So did every dairy that had been supplying to Dean's food receive that same letter you did in the mail? I, I can't speak to that every single one did, mm -hmm. but I know four to 500 dairies did. So I, I'd assume so. Um, and I know some of the smaller plants and co-ops that they dealt with did as well. I know DFA, um, they, they did a lot of business with DFA even before the bankruptcy. And of course, DFA ended up buying most of their assets in the, mm -hmm. in the whole proceedings. Um, but I know they did not as part of the uh, buyout agreement. You know, they, they were exempt from clauses and laws like this. But um, yeah, I know a lot of mail callers got, got the letter, hmm. you know, which, which kind of blows my mind because technically Dean's doesn't actually pay mail callers. Yeah. You know, dairy farmers, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, but dairy farmers, we, we pay to ship our milk to them which is mm -hmm. like the only industry ever that does that. But, um, you know, they technically took the money to pay milk callers out of our checks. So I don't even know how they have a claim to be able to send letters to them. But it really just felt like, you know, like throwing a plate of spaghetti against the wall and see what would stick. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just small farm paid the $3,000 or whatever they were asked for the settlement, that's more money than they had before to help pay their debts. Right, just sort of a brazen attempt to try and scare people into... Um, parting with with money um, much. before they had a chance to even you know I mean to get lawyers which costs money its own self or or to give a chance for I, I see American Farm Bureau has tried to step in um, and a couple other organizations to to sort of decry this uh, this behavior mm -hmm. uh, yeah that was um, 
I'll have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised that the American Farm Bureau stepped in. And maybe that's a mean thing to say. You know, I've always, we've pretty much always been Farm Bureau members. But, um, you know, being a dairy farmer, again, this maybe sounds mean, but you're kind of used to getting pushed under the rug. You know, it feels like we don't have a lot of big support behind us. Like, you know, even sometimes in agriculture, you know, I'm a bit of an advocate on social media and it just feels like every day we say, we're all in this together. We, you know, need farmers, we're all in this together until something big happens. And then it feels like you're just completely alone. You know, and maybe it's a case of people not knowing how to support or what to do. Um, but I was really proud or, or surprised and, and proud when American Farm Bureau kind of stepped in, um, you know, cause they, those big companies have the resources that, you know, I don't have a lawyer on retainer. I don't know many dairy farmers that do, um, you know, and I, I had no idea what to do or how to handle this. So what did Farm Bureau do to help you guys out? So the two, the two big people that stepped up were the American Farm Bureau and then also um, Pennsylvania's Milk Marketing Board stepped up in a big way and they kind of jumped on this immediately. And because there's, there are farmers from all over the country involved, but there's a, there were a big number in Pennsylvania. And then I think another pretty big cluster of farmers in Kentucky. But, you know, I know there were some in Michigan, there's some in Montana, there's some all over the place. But um, so Pennsylvania really stepped up um, and they actually started working with the state attorney general to deal with this, which was a big help. Um, I know Pens the Farm Bureau sent um, this uh, law firm in Minnesota kind of a cease and desist letter. It was basically like, look, this is absolutely ridiculous. They, you know, you have no idea how the dairy industry works. Clearly farms were doing ordinary business with this company for years prior to the bankruptcy. You know, we want you to just nullify this suit, one, and then two, if anyone paid you, pay them back. And the way the you know, legality of it works is like, they give them 10 days to respond. And I, I'm not sure how that worked with, because I know the attorney general in Pennsylvania, they had a call, I think the same day that letter went out with Farm Bureau. And they, I, I don't know that they were working, they and Farm Bureau were working together, but they were at least in contact with each other about what each was doing. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the, the state attorney general and uh, the Pennsylvania Milk Marketing Board has its own attorney. Um, basically called them and was like, look, this, this claim is absolutely bogus. Like dairy farmers do not have to pay this. So they came up with a solution. It's kind of, they're calling it a dis disclaimer. It's basically like a form letter. Um, you fill in, you know, each, each packet had its own case file number and you fill in the date you got it and you fill in how many years you had done business with Dean's, you know, how often your milk was picked up um, and then send it to the law firm by the settlement date, you know, our date, we were supposed to have paid the settlement by December 24th, Christmas, Christmas Eve day, which is just, the timing of this all is absolutely ridiculous too. But, um, you know, if you send it to them by then, they're gonna collect all of these disclaimers in these forms. And then they actually have to go back to Dean's and say, look, is this cool? Are you all right with this? Then it has to go through the court and the judge has to nullify the claims. Okay. Um, and I, I have heard, I know they had a, a conference call the other day about this, the Pennsylvania Milk Marketing Board, just kind of where they were at and they uh, um, fielded any questions that farmers had. And according to them, this, this law firm is getting a lot of heat for this. So they really <laughs> had to get over as quickly as possible, which I'm, you know, proud of. I'm glad they're getting some hate for this because 
it's it's asinine it's absolutely ridiculous well that's that's encouraging to hear and it sounds like um you know action is being taken um on behalf and by dairy farmers which that's you know that's a really good thing to hear coming out of this um especially this soon after after um the whole thing started out um you know having having received those letters at the beginning of december and then demanding payment three weeks later that's that just adds to the to the outrage of it all um well they i think i think this was completely orchestrated you know it i don't open my mail every day i'm not that person i'll separate into files you know farm mail christmas cards personal mail uh, my mom is our tax collector in our county so she gets a lot of mail for that you know and then once a week when i have time i'll open the mail um so we got the letters were sent out the week of Thanksgiving, you know, and you figure if people wait, you know, maybe they wait a week to open their mail. That's already one week down from the one month deadline. And then, you know, if you do have to get a lawyer to respond, um, you only have three weeks to find a bankruptcy attorney, which I, I don't even, you know, you see all the commercials, lawyer commercials on TV. I don't know of a bankruptcy lawyer off the top of my head. And it is, very specifically different than, you know, a lawyer you go to because you were hit by a car, you know, or something like that. It's, it's a very different kind of law and you need a bankruptcy lawyer to do so, you know, and then, then it was due on Christmas Eve day, which is just absolutely ridiculous with the holidays and the end of the year. And, you know, it was also even just sent in a plain manila envelope with no return address with this little tiny white label on it that had our farm name and our address. So it didn't look threatening. You know, it didn't look like something that was urgent that I needed to open today. Um, you know, this time of year we get calendars sent to us by every, every company we work with. You know, I think all of that was perfectly designed to, you know, throw you off. And maybe, maybe you didn't open it for two weeks and then, then you're completely screwed. You know, and in, in, the, in the packet, it tells you if you don't pay by the settlement date, there will be legal and financial ramifications you know and I, I just think that's more that that kind of fueled my anger for you know they're they're just trying to scare you or bully you into paying whatever that settlement amount is you know and for a small farm it might have only been three thousand dollars and they might think well you know what i'm going to spend that much on a lawyer anyway i might as well just pay the settlement and make it go away well ours was almost 50 grand that's not money i just have laying around the house you know, so there's no way we were going to pay it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's good to hear that, um, you know, some recourse is being taken. That's, that's really encouraging. I'm wondering in all of this, have, have you heard of this happening to any other industry or before in a dairy bankruptcy suit, um, a process or bankruptcy? Have, have you heard of this before? Is this sort of new ground for everyone right now? I had never heard of it. But I think in bankruptcy proceedings in general, it's a pretty common thing. Mm -hmm. um, something similar to this, I don't think it included bankruptcy, though, happened in Australia a few years ago, um, okay. where basically a milk plant or company of some kind was like, and, and, and I, I mean, don't quote me on this. I think there's there's more information out there, I'm sure. But they basically were like, we paid you too much money. We want some back. Oh my gosh. And from what I've heard is they'd had, they'd had access, you know, maybe it was direct deposit to these farmers bank accounts and they literally just went in and took the money. 
if it was there. And I'd heard this from a lot of Australian dairy farmers actually in the last couple of weeks. And it, you know, it really ruined them. Wow. And that, and I don't know how much you know about Australia, Australian agriculture, but they deal with the most amazing droughts mm. in the world. Like soil altering droughts. Um, you know, and that's bad enough to deal with that on top of their milk plant coming and literally just stealing money from their bank accounts. Um, yeah, that's extraordinary. That's yeah, it, it's extreme for sure too. I don't know how any of them survived, to be honest. Well, and it's it's hard because agriculture, we love what we do, and we put our passion with our cows or our soil or our crops on a day to day, and to feel like sometimes we're under attack or we have to watch our back or understand what's going on but how do we you know like going forward it seems like we'll be it, farm bureau will help and the legal stuff and it's made national news so that'll get some traction but how do we protect ourselves but also prevent this from happening in the future to to our own family farms or other farms you know do we be more active in farm bureau in the you know, milk marketing programs, how do we, how do we protect this from happening again? I don't, I don't really know if you can, because this blindsided literally everyone who heard about it, you know, and technically, and I can and will be mad at the law firm who sent these out, but in bankruptcy law, this is a pretty standard thing. You know, I think they send these letters to all their creditors and one thing we're always up against is that, you, you know, I don't, I don't know if they'd have done this anyway, if they knew it or not, but people don't know anything about the agricultural industry. Like these, this law firm, these people probably know zero amount about the dairy industry. You know, if they'd known a little bit, maybe they'd have known that, oh, dairy farmers wouldn't be, you know, liable for this situation, but that doesn't mean they still wouldn't have sent the letters out. You know, this is pretty standard practice and especially big bankruptcy uh, proceedings like this. And I honestly, I don't know that there is a way to protect this because these kind of things you can't see coming. But I, I think the way you can sort of safeguard yourself is to know the organizations and the boards in your state, in your region, especially like, I just had no idea who to call. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of farmers, there are probably still some out there that got this packet that just had no idea who to call. And it, it was really random set of circumstances that got me to where I got. Um, I was writing the article for an online blog and the power went out in our house. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna sit and wait till it comes on. And I started opening some mail and I opened this packet and right as what was happening in the packet struck me and I started to realize what, was, what it was about. My phone dinged and I got an email almost about it you know, from another publication, basically the headline was deans don't pay the dean's lawsuit. And I was like, why? And this is like all the first I'd heard about it. And all these things happened, boom, boom, boom. Um, and I actually knew the person who had written the article and I called her and I was like, what the heck is happening? You know, and, and that's, that's when I found out Farm Bureau was kind of mad about it and our Pennsylvania Milk Marketing Board. And, you, you know, otherwise if those things hadn't happened in that order I don't know that I didn't know who to call mm -hmm. you know maybe just knowing who's in your corner and who you know who handles those types of situations um, is one way you could at least ease your mind I guess so to speak yeah and 
And I think building your allies and knowing, yeah, knowing, making those connections ahead of time, um, I think can be really beneficial and you never know who you're going to need in what situation or how quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. 2020, I think just sums it up in general (laughs) of how, how things can just flip, especially in agriculture overnight, you know, sometimes the next day you're having to dump milk because plants can't be operating because of COVID or you're getting served with this letter, but it's, yeah, knowing who to call or starting to build um, foundations or relationships, I think might be a good, good recommendation and a good lessons learned if we can put it in, you know, terms to help, help prevent maybe you and our families and our, our friends too, because it's, we get so emotionally tied to agriculture sometimes that it's hard to take a step back and, and be proactive, treat it like a business, try to, try to bring some of that, you know, get involved in the boards when we're really busy, just figuring out those little things I think can be, like you said, very beneficial for when you get blindsided by a letter in the mail or COVID or whatever that's happened in 2020. Well, and my advice would be, even if you don't know who to call, just start calling people. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, you might talk to the wrong person, but they might say, well, you know, this sounds like a milk marketing board question, or, you know, this sounds like you should call Farm Bureau or, you know, just, just start talking about it. And one thing I was also really annoyed about was I wasn't like, how had I not heard about this anywhere else? Mm-hmm. You know, and with my social media following, I kind of angrily just started yelling about it on social media. And I, you know, I can't believe dozens of farmers all over the country who had gotten that letter were like, I'm so glad you said this. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't know who to call. Like, I didn't know who else had gotten the letter. I didn't know what to do with it. You know, and some guys were like, I'm just going to ignore it. And I'm like, well, I can't, it's, it's something that yes, we're not going to have to pay it, but you also can't just ignore it. Mm-hmm. You know, throwing it away, isn't going to make it just magically dissolve and end, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I'm glad to hear they want to end this quickly. I actually got a secondary letter. Um, I was doing a, do, on the day of the conference call, I had to leave the conference call early. I was doing a talk for a, a class full of future dietitians. And my brother handed me a letter from the same law firm that I kind of quickly read. And uh, they already have a date for the dismissal of these claims. <laughs> um, I want to say like January 11th or so. I don't know. I don't have the paper. And the whole packet was that you could call in and listen to the court proceedings. And, you know, I think, I think they do want this to go away as quickly as it, as it came, I guess. Yeah, I bet they do now that they're getting all sorts of bad press and negative attention for it. And it's certainly well-deserved on their part. <laughs> I think so. Um, so frustrating as this situation has been and is, and I'm sure will be until you finally get to burn those letters. Um, has there been anything that you've learned from it that will help you, you know, continue on um, or moving forward in the dairy industry? Um, has, you know, has there been a positive come out of this? Um, I mean, just kind of always, you know, you find out your allies in it, mm-hmm. you know, all the support. Once I started talking about it online, all the support from behind it. Um, it's also, it's frustrating to me because it, it has started a conversation about um, milk price and how dairy farmers are treated as far as how their milk is sold and handled. You know, we have no control over the price. And if you ask almost any dairy farmer how 
milk prices set, we can't answer you, which mm-hmm. is sad, but it's so insanely complicated, mm-hmm. you know, and out of our hands that it's, it's, impo- it's an impossible question to answer. Um, and just, you know, one thing that, that came out of this, um, <laughs> this is hard to say too, but you know, it's, we have such little control over all of it, but because of the way the milk markets are, and if we were dropped by our processor today, I don't know where we'd go, you know? So there's kind of this, you can't speak out against it because if, if you do, and that's enough for them to say, you know what, we don't want to pick up your milk anymore. I'm just done. I don't have anywhere to go. You know, and I think um, getting that, having that conversation out loud and getting out how volatile this, this industry really is, is something good to bring to people's attention. You know, I'm not sure how much change it's done, but maybe someday soon we can make some change, you know, and, and I don't know. I think bringing awareness to stuff like that, at least, is always helpful and a step in the right direction. Well, and I think sometimes, like you said some previously, some people were just like shoving the letter underneath their bookshelf and ignoring it. And sometimes that's not always the right thing to do, but bringing awareness to, to your communities, but also, you know, the people buying that product or doing whatever market it is, is, and starting those hard conversations is, is where it is and acknowledging that there is you know, some frustration or some problems and maybe it's not a problem across the whole industry, but it is in sectors. And how can we, how can we start this conversation to start solving problems later down the road? Cause we've, we've all kind of got to stick together and start having these conversations, you know, what, even though they're hard and uncomfortable and, and they sometimes involve hard legal language that, that the common Joe Schmo, like myself doesn't, doesn't even understand, but it's, it's just starting that conversation. And when something sits funny in your gut, recognizing it and, and reasoning through why it's that way and making, making some change or making some questions to, to help get, get the ball rolling, hopefully in a positive direction. Well, Jess, um, we extend our apologies to you and to, you know, dairy farmers around the country, or maybe it's sympathies is the better word. Um, It's incredibly frustrating that you had to go through this, um, especially during the year that we're having um, and knowing, you know, the volatility that the industry is known for. But, um, you know, glad to hear that, that hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel and, and really appreciate you coming on to join us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because I I think, I don't know. I had a couple dairy farmers who weren't involved in all this saying, you know, as, as it developed further, they're like, you know, I think it sounds like it's going to be all right. You know, I think you just need to take a step back and take a breath. And I was like, do not tell me to remain calm <laughs> because this, you know, this is a ridiculous thing, you know, and, and there are good co-ops out there that take, you know, their farmers into consideration and give their farmers a voice. But, you know, most of the country is under one or two giant, co-ops and processors and you know we 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 go online on social media to talk you know out against the activists and um the people telling us we don't take care of our animals and that's great but you know i'm I'm starting to feel that's not what's going to bring the dairy industry down you know there are so many problems inside of what we do um you know how we get paid the fact that we we pay shipping for our own product what other industry does that and 
you know, we're at the point now where the only reason we do that is because that's how it's always been done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as farmers, we don't have the leverage to fight it because it is such a volatile industry. You know, we say, I don't want to pay my shipping anymore. They're going to say, all right, well, we're not going to pick up your milk anymore. You know, how do we change that? And I, I don't have the answer, but, you know, maybe the more we talk about these issues and these problems and, you know, things like this happening brings these issues up. Maybe someone out there does have the answer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually this can bring us together to, you know, work against it and find a better solution. Yeah. I think that's, that's great words of we're better together than we are as one single person or operation trying to trying to have these conversations and we thank you again for joining us this week where can our followers and our listeners find you um whether it's your blog writing or on social media um yeah so on facebook i am spruce row farm um that's the name of our dairy farm and then on twitter tiktok instagram i'm c jess farm kind of like c spot run but c jess <laughs> farm <laughs> Well, we love it. And we love following all your content on social media. Uh, listeners, we thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Millennial Ag. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. Mm -hmm.